Welcome to the Further North Podcast, your weekly dose of the North Melbourne Footy Club. My name is Josh, and this is a fan-run podcast doing match previews, reviews, and everything north. Let's get it started. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Further North. Uh, I'm bringing the energy this time. I was tired on uh, last Thursday when I recorded. I'm rested. I'm recovered. It's my weekend. And we've got football and football-adjacent topics to talk about. Very exciting. So hopefully I can keep this level of excitement up for the entire time. Chances are, I'd say 80%. I'm going to back myself. Big week of footy. Um, we're coming off another loss, um, 20 in a row, I think. Who knows? I don't care at this point. Um, Richmond Tigers, we couldn't do uh, the three-peat against Richmond, going down by 29 points at our favourite ground, the MCG. Now, it was Jack Siebel's last game, um, a big game for our club. One of the best players we've had, um, definitely one of the best leaders we've had, and just an overall shin boner. Am I right? Unfortunately, there's been some news this morning that has come out, um, which we'll talk about briefly, but Jack Siebel uh, has ended up in hospital because some idiot has decided to uh, coward punch him. Now, when I woke up this morning and read this, I, I couldn't really believe what I was hearing. Um... I guess we're never going to, you know, find out exactly why this happened or what, what provoked it. Um, as we know, the club put out a statement and they've said that it was an unprovoked attack on Jack Zeeble's end. And of course, I'm sure that's completely true. But they're at a club function uh, down in South Yarra with teammates and some of the coaching staff and his family. And uh, yeah, while leaving the bar to go and see one of his mates outside, there was a group of three people that attacked him and um, he's ended up in hospital, apparently going to be requiring facial surgery, which is, uh, I don't know, just awful. Like, what do you even say to this, to be honest? Um, he's a, a, seems like a great bloke, went hard on the field, but as soft as you like off it. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine why anyone would want to do something like that to Jack Siebel. So I hope that these people who have done that get caught um, they're locked up, throw away the key, and they rot away for the rest of their days. Even though we know that, that won't happen, they'll get out at some point to be able to commit more crimes, which will be fantastic. But hoping uh, Jack Zebra has a, a speedy recovery. Hopefully we hear from him soon and he comes out with a statement or just, you know, lets, lets the fans know he's okay because, you know, ending your AFL career that day and then having the day finish like that, not the memory you want from your last game in the AFL ever. He's been a champion of the club and, of course, people aren't going to remember him for that, but that's about all the, the, the information we've got there, guys. But, yeah, hopefully a speedy recovery and um, hopefully we hear from Jack Siebel soon. Let's get on to the game. Um, there is one more massive talking point that we're going to talk about. Um, spoiler alert, we're last on the ladder. Harley Reid? We're going to talk about all of that after we dissect the game, okay? So I know all you guys are here for Harley Reid chat. I've asked you guys um, to ask me questions about individual players. Half the questions were about Harley Reid. So 
I did expect that. And thank you for everyone who wrote in. Um, Further North Podcast on Facebook, Further North Pod on Instagram. We're going to get to Harley Reid stuff later when we do the questions. But we're going to dive into the game first. 29 points. We've gone down the MCG to the Tigers. An interesting game. Um, we're turning up to a degree now in games where the Kings are the honourable loss. I don't know if this was super honourable, but we haven't really. it doesn't feel like we've been belted in a while, um, which I think is a good thing. You know, all through the week when I talk about footy at the barbershop, I'm trying to decide if I'm happy that we're not as bad as last year, but we've still got the same amount of wins. So it's like, is that an improvement? I don't know. I'm really conflicted on it because, yes, I think as a team we've improved. Game plan-wise, we've got Wardlaw, we've got Sheasel, Larky's gone to another level. Taron, since he's been back, has been phenomenal. But we've got the same amount of wins. So I'm not sure where I stand on it because I think it's a little bit of a cop-out to be like, oh, but, you know, we're, we're not getting belted all the time. We have improved. Yeah, minorly, but I'm not going to take that as a massive positive because I was expecting five to six wins this year and what a season of turmoil it's been. But anyway, let's get into some positives and negatives about this game. A positive I've got is we made runs um, and we can put together patches of good football, of really good football, it does seem. Going back and looking at the D's first half when we weren't absolutely buggered. Um, and this goes back to a fitness issue, which hopefully it's rectified in the off-season. But when we make runs and when we do, we, we come hard, but we just get gassed so quickly. It's the fight as well that we've got. I think we were desperate most of the time on the weekend. Um, decent amount of tackles. I think 61 tackles. I think we won the tackle count. You know, I, don't, I think I'm assuming that's a pretty average amount of tackles in the AFL, maybe slightly above. I feel like we've had weeks we've had 80. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know a few weeks ago people were saying North have been one of the better pressure sides in the league the last couple of months. Obviously, it doesn't matter if we don't win any games, but that's a good thing. Um, and I think especially the first half, definitely in patches, we look good against poor teams. And I'm taking this as a positive because as we grow and get better and that sort of stuff, hopefully we see more of this against better teams. But Richmond are a poor side. Um, in their high standards anyway. It's no shade on Richmond, but they just, they're pretty flat this year. And we did have patches where we looked really, really good against them. And I think hopefully, yes, it could be a sign of things to come, but I'm not going to take that as gospel. And, you know, we do play decent quarters or decent halves at most. Let's see it for a game before we get too excited. Um, a couple of other things to talk about is the, well, the one percenters. You know, and they're just the little things you do, the, the smothers and, or, you know, even a shepherd and things like that. I, I should probably look up exactly how the AFL tracks one percenters, but that's my definition of it, those little things that you do around the ground to influence or impact the play. We dominated the one percenters, and this sort of goes back to my point where I feel like we had really good fight on the day. We looked more desperate to win that ball. We won the one percenters uh, 53 to 24 on the weekend. Um, we didn't have the ball as much, obviously, so that's why we can do those small things more, but um, that's a good sign, you know. I think another thing as well before we get into some individual players from the game is 
I'm glad we got to send off Jack in the right way. And I always knew that this game was going to be Rewalt and Cotchen focused. You know, the AFL cares about them more. To the G, majority Tigers fans there. That was always the way it was going to go. No shade on that at all. I mean, I get it at the end of the day. Um, but Cotchen and Rewalt's speech after the game finish went for so long and then Jack's went for like three minutes. But I'm glad um, he got to stand there with his family and he got to be cheer- he was cheered off by everybody as well. Um, they threw him forward for a bit. He had, did have a shot at goal. Um, but the highlight is going to be that Jack Zebel hanger that he took near the wing. Um, <laughs> I'm glad he got to do something like that in his last game. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, I'm, I think it was a decent send off for him. You know, we were never going to win the game. Um, I know I predicted that we would win the game in the preview podcast. I didn't really believe that, to be fair. I was trying to be positive. But look what happens when I'm positive. Um, but yeah, I think it was a decent way to send him off. We showed some fight. And uh, yeah. Let's not talk about the stuff that happened after the game, but good on Zeebs. Now, let's get into some players. That's about all the positives, I guess, for the team I've got. I, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm, I'm not really into making heaps of positives at this point. I think, you know, we know what we are at, at this point. We know that we'll show up. We'll have a good quarter. We'll make a run. We're not really getting belted at this point as well, which is great. Um, but... You know, we're going to lose and we're going to lose every game until we can break that cycle. So positives in podcasts will come with trades, drafts, you know, off-season things that will come. But they're all the positives I've really got for the game because it's basically the same thing most weeks at the moment, which is better than it was, but not great. So I know this is meant to be the positive segment though, so I apologize. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Taryn Thomas, for me... Best play on the ground on the day. I know she's had an unreal game and we're going to get to him next. Um, But the impact on the game that Taryn Thomas made, 25 touches, five clearances, nine inside 50s, two goals, and 708 metres gained. That is a perfect Taryn Thomas game. There is always a caveat with Taryn Thomas where the defensive side of the game is not his strong suit. There was a couple of times where, especially near the end of the game, where it did look like he'd given up a little bit, you know, had a chance to put a body on or be a bit tougher in a contest and he doesn't do it. But I don't ever think he's going to be that type of player. And yes, like he should compete a little bit harder sometimes, but, you know, he's he's got the polish and he's got us sorted on the offensive end. So not every player is going to be a great defender. Um, as long as you can make up for it on the other end of the ball and he more than makes up for it with his class. Um, I don't think he's awful defensively. I think he has been tackling a little bit better of recent, but yeah, there is room for improvement as he gets older. But the impact he was able to make on the game with the goals, with that little bit of polish around the ground, um, yeah, you you guys know what I mean? Bigger impact doesn't just mean the most touches or anything like that. Speaking of the most touches... Harry Sheasel. This man, oh my word, he's he's just so good at football. And when was the last time we saw a guy like this come in and be this good this quick? And this is guys, it's guys like this and people we'll get to in the next segment that make me excited for the future of the North Melbourne Football Club. It's a weird day because we have dropped to last on the ladder, but Sheasel just tore up on Saturday. 37 touches, which now makes him uh, the highest uh, 
how do I describe this properly? The rookie with the highest amount of possessions in AFL history. There you go. Unprofessional. Yeah, he's got the most uh, possessions in AFL history for a first-year player. 37 touches on 86% disposal efficiency. That's wild. I think he did something last week, like 78% as well. He had around 32 last week, I think. The guy is just so, so clean and so polished. Um, when we get more of a body of a team around guys like Taron and Sheasel, those guys in the offensive part of the ground are going to be dangerous. So Harry Sheasel, it's very stiff. That performance gets you the best on ground more weeks than not. But um, yeah, I think Taron maybe just edged him with his impact, but fantastic game from Sheasel. Nick Larkey. Nick Larky, another six goals. This guy just keeps kicking goals. Imagine when we can actually get the ball to him. You know, what's he on, 60-something goals now? You know what? I'm going to dive into the AFL app here and see where the Oscar Allen-Nick Larky uh, debate is sitting here. All right, let's have a look. I wonder if it's updated. It can't be updated. Oscar Allen's kicked more. Than, oh, maybe not. I'll check. Nick Larky's on 62, Oscar Allen on 49. Look, the only thing I can now banter with Big Ant about at work is the bet. I've said a few times to Big Ant, you keep talking to me when you're above us on the ladder, mate, and now they are, so I think I'm going to cop it this week at work. But, um, yeah, Nick Larkey, what an absolute astonishing season. If we're talking about most improved players, I think it's got to be Nick Larkey. The hardest improvement to make isn't from rookie to solid player. I think it's from good player to elite AFL player. And he's one of the only elite players in this uh, squad that we've got, you know. So I'd say him, LDU are probably the only two that I'd say are like A grade. We know Wardlaw and Sheasel can get there. Taron can absolutely get there. Bailey Scott, you know, the world's their oyster. But um, no, they're the two at the moment that I think are going to carry the torch for the future. Maybe another guy soon. We'll talk about it. But anyway... I've wrapped up this bet. Unless Allen kicks 13 goals and Larky's held to none next week, I think I've wrapped the bet up. What more can I say about Nick Larky this year? You know, I remember when Nick Larky got drafted and I didn't know what was going on at all. I remember his first game and he just got pushed out of everything. The skinniest kid. I think he had a buzz cut back then. Just didn't look like he belonged on an AFL field. Um, pick 73, and I'd never expected him to really play. Um, this was when Drew Petrie was sort of near the end as well, and we had Petrie and Ben Brown, and we see Nick Larkey come on. I'm like, what's this guy doing? But um, he's turned into an absolutely phenomenal player. I, I really, really think minimum vice-captain next year for Nick Larkey. Um, I named the preview podcast for this game, uh, Jack Siebel, one of the last true shin boners. This guy's got it. This guy's got it for sure. Obviously signing the five-year deal not long ago cements that for him. But, yeah, I, I, I love Link Larky so much and there's not much more I can say. Brilliant game. He makes his own luck just as well as getting on the end of good passes into the 50 when we do them. Um, I love him. Some other players we'll touch on. Paul Curtis, um, good form the last few weeks. Good form. His forward pressure has been much, much better and being able to impact the play or being a little bit chaotic or sporadic in that forward line gives us an element of danger. So I think Paul Curtis has been good. 
Eddie Ford has been so solid. He's not played a bad game since he's come into the team about halfway through the season. I don't know. He's a good he's a good mark. He's a good contestant mark. He's a decent enough shot at goal. I think he missed one or two on the weekend, but I don't know. We found a player here, and he's someone that needs to get all the game time in the world. Bailey Scott kind of just keeps doing, you know, Bailey Scott things. Um, his last few weeks I don't think have been as good as when he was peaking sort of midway through the season, but he just is consistent, and they're the sort of players that we don't really have. We don't have those guys who minimum get, you know, mid-20s or you know, 22 to 25 touches. Then if they have a great game, it's 30-plus. We've got a lot of guys that go, oh, they had a good game, they had 22. But most weeks they're dropping 14 touches or something like that. So well done from Bailey Scott, another good game. Will Phillips, I thought, made an impact. Maybe not the best stat line uh, for the game, but I think his impact around the ball, getting the ball off the ground and feeding it out, was decent. His composure was decent in this game as well, being able to hit a target. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a solid return for him. I'm not really sure what to think about. Well, I know what I think about Will Phillips, but I don't know what North Melbourne think about Will Phillips. But, yeah, good on him. Good on him. Uh, and obviously should play next week. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Uh, and Jai Simpkin. Um, he was one of the per- people I put on the hot seat after last game. Uh, I think was his nearly his best game for the year. This game a little bit quieter, but, you know, stepped up a little bit in the absence of a Wardlaw. Um, Cunnington obviously went out from the week before and whatnot. So, yeah, I hope Jai has an unreal preseason coming up and can get back to his best form next year because we really, really need him. But, um, yeah, another another solid game. So uh, that is all of the positives. Let's go to a few negatives. Um Cheap free kicks, cheap free kicks. There was one for Drury and um, one on Larky as well. And I just, the umpires for our games are just not great, are they? You know, as we saw on the weekend with Adelaide's um, (laughs) behind that was a goal, the umpiring standard is low and I think we need to improve that. But yeah, there's a few really cheap free kicks in this one going against us and I don't know. It just, it's so hard not to feel like, when you're last on the ladder and only won two games, that the world's not against you. But hey, we're not gonna not gonna talk about umpires too much. Poor skills. This is this is the hardest thing to watch about our games because I really do think offensively something is building there, um, but our skills let us down so many times. There's so many times we'll get it out of the pack and miss a handball miss a kick, fumble a mark, turn it over, and then we're just like a sieve on defense, as we've talked about a lot. So skill errors are so difficult to coach to players. You know, I do trust Clarkson to be able to do that to a degree, but I will say, and I've said this before, when I watch the Bulldogs handball that ball around, they've been the best side, the best handballing side in the league for nearly a decade, I would say. We are one of the worst. And when a lot of the people I know who support Essendon got Brad Scott, one of the things they were, they, were, they were asking me, what's Brad Scott good at? You had him for 10 years. Give me some insight. And I've always said, I think Brad Scott's a good uh, tactician. I think he's a good list manager as well, or is able to make tough calls. The one thing I never thought Brad Scott was good at is being able to coach skills in the game. So if the player is at a B grade for skills, they will not get to an A or above that because I just don't think he's got that ability to be able to coach skills. When Brad Scott left, obviously the club's dropped a lot, but we still have poor skills. 
So I really think just the basics, being able to pick the ball up, being able to hit that guy on the chest with the handball, kicking into the Ford 50 like I've whinged about all year. These are the things that are going to make us better. But I would hope as we get more comfortable with our game plan, uh, we get better skills and we know where we're meant to be so you can execute those skills better. Um, I just put our defense is so poor. Uh, our back six, although individually I think are decent enough players, they just don't seem to work. And it's got to be on the midfield as well for letting the ball come in that quickly. Like I said with Taron Thomas, I think LDU's guilty of this too. You know, I know people like to pick on Taron because of his off-field stuff. And, and look, I, I don't agree with it, but I get it. Um, LDU is also not great defensively. I think he's better than a lot of the, lot, lot of like Taron Thomas and that sort of stuff. But I just, if we don't win the clearance, we just don't do anything, do we? So once again, I'm back in Clarko. Age and experience is going to fix all, I hope. But letting the ball come into our 50 that much would be really tough as a defender. And our defensive unit, I don't know. We just can't get that ball out of the back 50 and people don't look on the same page. We've got a few Ben Mackay questions coming up as well, so I won't dive in too much there just yet. Um, I'll mention the ruck situation quickly. We do have a question about this as well, so I won't dive in too much. But Goldstein had a very, very poor game. Um, still able to take a couple of contested marks and, you know, have tiny spurts of impact. But I legitimately thought in the second half he was subbed off. Um, I had to double check and see if that was actually true. And it turns out Luke McDonald was injured. But, um, yeah, Goldie was anonymous. And this is really worrying me next year. But we'll dive into that later. All right. It's time to get really mean for a second. And I'm not going to go and roast just one player, but... Okay, maybe a little bit. Flynn Perez. Flynn Perez was a late inclusion. Uh, LDU was a late out with calf tightness, I'm pretty sure. I'm very worried about LDU and all these little injuries. We'll see next season at the start of the year if he's healthy and he can play consistently. But, you know, as delicious, delicious as our midfield does look going forward, Wardlaw and LDU with all of their little soft tissue and, and muscle injuries – really concerns me. So I hope that they make a really good recovery from all those little niggles in the season and can figure out how to not let those things happen while still playing, you know, and at an elite level. So anyway, this isn't about, uh, this isn't about LDU. I just thought I'd say that. Flynn Perez comes into the team. Now we all know my thoughts on Flynn Perez. I don't think he's anywhere near good enough. He's not quick, doesn't use the ball well, not a good defender, really not sure where he, where his place is in this team. And I can't believe Lynn Perez is playing over Miller Bergman. I don't know what Miller Bergman has done. I know he had a couple of average games, but his body of work through the season deserves way more playing time than even a Drury. Flynn Perez, Kane Turner. I'm not going to pick on Kane Turner again because we know Marnie loves Kane Turner. But um, I just don't get why Miller Bergman's not playing and someone like Flynn Perez is. The point is... I just don't Flynn think Flink Flink Flink. I just don't think Flynn Perez is going to be a good AFL player. I just don't see it. I've never seen it. I said this at the start of the year, uh, even in the preseason, and I'm going to keep banging on about it. Just don't see what he does for the team, and I'm not sure why he gets a run when I think there's, well, I know there's much better players who could be playing in his spot. 
26 to 13 stoppage clearances. We got beaten. Um, this is something that happens a lot. We're decent out of the centre square, but around the ground we seem to struggle sometimes. With our current ruck situation, I fully see why <laughs> we're not winning heaps of clearances. But just a stat I thought I'd bring up. Um, and probably the reason why the Tigers got got on top, really, especially you know in that fourth quarter, late third, early fourth, really getting on top out of the midfield and getting the ball into their 50 quicker and easier. And obviously they've got the skills to be able to hit their players in the chest, unlike us. So something to tighten up for next week against the mighty Suns. Two more points here. One is Ben Mackay, um, but I will talk about Ben Mackay in the questions. The last one is Marks. Now this happens nearly every single week and I'm assuming teams have figured out how to pick through our Swiss cheese of a defense. 106 to 75 marks. That is insane. That is wild. I can't believe 31 more marks than us. And I know we don't really play much, chip the ball around. We try to, and then we get tired. And then we go, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to kick the ball really far to Paul Curtis or Curtis Taylor, all five foot ten of them who they're usually sitting on some bloke who's about six four. So we need to fix this because this is our team's tear us apart. Chip, chip, chip. The Bombers did it to us last week too. They were keeping possession of the ball, not letting us attack, which is one of the only things we're good at. We're really playing a lot of zone and it doesn't seem to be as much man on man. And I get it's modern football. You don't just want to play man on man. You've got to play zones and be able to cut things off. And someone drops into the hole to intercept and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I just don't feel good about every single week having 30 plus less marks uh, than the opposition because it doesn't seem to be working. Anyway, there's the negatives. Sean Atley Club Champ time, guys. And as we know, Harry Sheasel has already taken it out. I'm going to make a nice, pretty little Harry Sheasel post um, to, you know, celebrate with him. I'll tag him in it. I'm going to get you guys to tag him in it too. You know what? Oh, I'm probably, I'm, I won't post it till after round 23, but I'll, I'll say it here. When you guys see me post up, welcome, oh, welcome. Congratulations, Harry Sheasel, for winning the inaugural Sean Atley Club Champ. I need you all to post our at Harry Sheasel in it and see if we can at least get a like off him because he's won an award, the biggest one of all. Better than the rising star. Anyway, Sean Atley, Taryn Thomas, three votes. H. Sheasel, two votes. And Larky, one vote. My best Andrew Demetrio impression there. Um, no, Taryn, three. Sheasel, two. Larky, one. Sheasel's on 29 votes now. Larky's on 19. So Sheasel really has ran away with it this year. Um, LDU, 15. Taryn Thomas has jumped up to eight votes. Fourth on the ladder for the Sean Atley Club champ. And he's only played half the season. So we need to keep him. We need to keep him. Anyway, Bailey Scott, seven votes. And then the rest are just all over the place. Wardlaw would have been much higher in that if he was actually playing. Um, looking at all these votes, I've got Simpkins only got two for the year, which is pretty disappointing on his end. Other than that, I think everyone's probably about right. Zerha and Simpkin are probably the two who, you know, they're going to end up, unless Simpkin has a best on ground performance next week, Simpkin with two votes and Zerha with five for the year is very disappointing. Um, 
Zerha obviously injured, so give him a little bit of a pass on that. But, you know, I think Zerha would be pretty unhappy. Or not unhappy, but down on his season. Um, and yeah, like I said before, Simkin next year needs to come back with a bang. If those two players can fire on top of Sheasel's Larky's LDU's Thomas Scott, Harley Reid, um, we'll be a much better side. So there you go, guys. There is the Sean Atley Club champ. Okay, fine. We'll get into Harley Reid questions. Lol jokes. We're going to do all the other questions first and then we're going to talk about Harley Reid because I know you guys want to hear it and I'm going to make you wait and listen to the rest of the podcast. So let's get into questions. Harley Reid will come later. Let's go to Facebook first. So James Duke says, Aiden Core has changed my mind. Has he changed yours? Interesting question. Um, Marnie obviously is in love with Aiden Core and really frustrated me last week. She knows how to push my buttons. She knows how to get inside my head. Um, she lives rent-free up there, to be fair, with all of the Aiden Core love that's going on and Kane Turner love, which is wild. Has Aiden Core changed my mind? No, he has not changed my mind. Is Aiden Core playing well? Yes. Last two weeks, not as well. I'd say he was actually kind of poor yesterday not as strong in contests and things like that um, but he has been decent in the second half of the season my mind is not changed on Aiden Core because I need a body of work I need a body of work before halfway through this season apart from the one time he locked down Buddy Franklin in a game that feels like five years ago I think the whole North community can agree that he's been pretty woeful especially for the money he's getting. And I don't really like bringing in salary because, you know, if a if Phoenix Spicer gets offered 800000 next year, he's probably going to take it and I wouldn't blame him for that. So it's not Aiden Core's fault that he makes that much money. You know, his form prior apparently at GWS got him that coin, you know, and our awful recruitment. But Aiden Core can change my mind. Absolutely he can. Absolutely. And he's been good. I'm not saying Aiden Core is playing bad right now, but majority of the time he's been here, he hasn't been very good. So I hope Clarkson next season can really make him find a role and stick to it. I'd be worried if it's he's the third tall because we've seen that that's really bad, but I don't want Aiden Core to be one of our best two defenders. So I'm not, I'm not sure what I want. I don't think he deserves to be dropped from the side at the moment either because, like I said, I think he's been decent in the back half of the season, but... Yeah, it's going to take probably half a season next year to let to make me feel like he's going to do this week in, week out. Maybe not half a season, but you know what I mean. Like next year, if Aiden calls first two months of football are, are really solid, then I will change my mind. And you guys can at me and tell me, oh, I always knew Aiden Call was good. You were such a hater, Josh. And I'll be like, yeah, I was totally a hater. There's the Aiden Call opinion. Hopefully that answers the question. Glenn Lowe, no Zebel and now McDonald injured, leaves our back line inexperienced. What do we do in the mid to long term? Interesting. We did have another question coming up. I'll find the person's name when I get to it. He actually, I'll just keep scrolling now. Someone did ask me what we do without Jack Zebel or who changes, who drops into that Jack Zebel role. And I guess we can, here it is. Um, on Instagram, Reesing, Oh, God, I can't read this. Reesing Worsen. Reesing Worsen? Reesing Worsen. Reesing Worsen, if you're listening and I completely butchered that, I apologize. 
need some underscores between wherever I'm meant to breathe in that nickname. Anyway, Racing Worsen says, who replaces Jack's position down back next year? And let's combine those two questions. So as for next week, which was the original question from Glenn, uh, Jackson Archer is the obvious one for me. Um, Miller Bergman is the other one. So those two should be playing every single week for me. As for next season, I would hope that Miller Bergman does play. I'd love Bergman and Goda to be sort of off half back and be able to push Taron and uh, Sheasel forward. I think that'd be much more exciting. Jackson Archer is the closest thing to Jack Sebel that we've got. So next year, I want to see another step from him and I want to see him play the majority of the season because he tries so hard. He has an impact in contests. He's tough at the footy. He's got good disposal as well. Jackson Archer can absolutely be a player. He's never going to be a star, but he doesn't need to be because he would be the star of our hearts. So in the short term, Miller Bergman for me next week and Jackson Archer should be coming into the side. Um, Long term, yeah, Jackson Archer takes that Jack Siebel role because hopefully Miller Bergman is using his skills off the halfback line to hit people on the wing to progress the ball forward. Next question here from Stephen Dempster. Are we now the official? Uh, are we now? Interesting wording. Are we now officially the worst team in the AFL after the West Coast win? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. There was a comment left on this question from someone saying no. That feels like a little bit in denial to me. Um, of course, we're the worst team in the league now. Yeah, absolutely. Do we have a brighter future than West Coast? One hundred percent. One hundred percent, we do. We've got way more talent than them. We've got a better coach than them. We're going to be fine. But right now, we're absolutely the worst team in the AFL. West Coast have more wins than us. They beat us. That's just how it goes, guys. And, you know, let's not try and shy away from that. We've got to accept reality here. We are the worst team in the AFL until we get Harley Reid, the second pick, the 16th pick, and the AFL gives us a lot of priority picks and all that sort of fun stuff. We sign heaps of... Solid players and Clarkson stays coaching the whole year and then we're finally win a premiership. <laughs> but other than that, no, we are the worst team in the AFL. Don't be afraid to admit it. We've got to own it. We've got to steer into the skid until Harley Reid leads us to a premiership. Speaking of Harley, Harley John Harbour says, who is the most improved since they're uh, dropping? In my opinion, Curtis Taylor has grabbed his opportunity and been killing it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm just trying to think of who else has really been dropped. Like Jerry, definitely not. Um, Aiden Cause never had time out. Uh, who else has come into this side? I guess it has to be Curtis Taylor, doesn't it? Like I, 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 when Curtis Taylor went out of the side, I really made an example of him and Eddie Ford where Eddie Ford has come into the team and just said, Curtis Taylor, you can stay in the twos. But credit to Curtis Taylor coming back in and really making an impact and the new tagging role, which I didn't see as much of yesterday, to be fair, but clearly he's versatile. So, yeah, I'll agree with you, Harley, and say Curtis Taylor. Um, I don't think many other people have really been dropped, and if they have, they haven't come back in and done much. We've just been debuting a lot of people, I guess, because we have so many injuries. Um, the, oh, no, I can't say that. The other one I would say, oh, Common Jones didn't come back in though, did he? But those four games he played were fantastic and exactly what we needed, but then he was rubbish. So anyway, Edwin Van Ravist Ravistein, that's a sick name. 
Does uh, Nick Larkey win the Coleman in the next three years as North starts to hopefully climb up the ladder? I think initially my brain goes, no, he won't win. Let's not be too optimistic because I'm a cautious supporter like that. You guys know what I'm like. But when I thought about it, I actually think, yeah, if he's kicking 62, what's he going to finish on? He'll probably kick a few next week, 65-odd goals for the season with honestly such disgusting delivery into the forward line. You get Clarkson teaching these guys how to clear the ball. You get a full season of Taron, another draft pick, maybe Harley Reid, LDU in a full season, Wardlaw playing. If those guys are hitting Nick Larkey and he's got some support up there so he doesn't just cop a double team all the time, yeah, his accuracy is that good that he could absolutely win a Coleman. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to back him. Better than Oscar Allen. All right, let's move over to Instagram for non-Harley Reid related questions. They are coming next, guys. Please relax. On Instagram, uh, Gabbard Dunphy. Gabe Dunphy? Gabe Dunphy. I can't believe I said Gabbard Dunphy. Gabe Dunphy says, what are we doing in the rucks? Here we go. We know my thoughts on Jerry. Um, Jerry is not good. Um, we need to recruit in the ruck. The last few weeks has really made me worried about Goldstein. Um, I think Goldstein should absolutely play on next season, but we need to have someone on the list that is able to dethrone him and say, Goldie, get in the twos, I'm playing. And we do not have that guy on the list as of current. Tristan Jerry is not that guy, guys. He's not. He's had, what, two and a half months of football? Two months at least of, of consistent football now? He's just not very good. So the ruck position is my most concerning position going into next year, even if Mackay leaves. Honestly, we need so much stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying other issues aren't important. We need a, another key forward, a pack-marking forward to help Larky. We need a, a key defender. We need a running half back. We need a small Charlie Cameron-type forward. We need a bull in the middle still. You know, we need things. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah, the ruck position is dire, absolutely dire. So we need to recruit. Oscar Banks underscore says, what the hell are we doing, uh, going to do with, oh, this is the other one I was meant to read. What the hell are we going to do with Goldie one day? I'm scared. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm terrified. <laughs> Oscar really backs up my mentality here. Sorry, Oscar, I was meant to read that one before with the first question, but... Yeah, I am genuinely terrified next year for the Ruck because you can have as many midfielders as you want in that team. If we don't have someone who can tap the ball to them or put it to their advantage, we're not going to get anywhere. So get all the Harley Reeds you like, guys. If no one can tap the ball to him, he's irrelevant. T.Thomas6 says, if Mackay stays, do we still try and grab Curtin or someone else? Absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. I, I'm so sick of not having any key position players. Um, if Mackay stays, I would say probably don't draft Curtin, who is a key uh, defensive sort of player. Um, I've forgotten the guy I've been speaking to on Instagram. If you're listening, my friend, um, I'm so sorry. I'll try and find your name on here. I'm getting some insights on the draft and trying to learn more about the draft. Um, but, yeah. I cannot find the name. I'm pod, mid-podcast. This is awful podcasting for you guys. And I should definitely have um, <laughs> definitely have done more. Here we go. John 
Weenba, John Weenba. Thank you to John for giving me a little bit of insight on all of this sort of stuff. So I'm going to be much better giving you draft analysis because of his knowledge. So anyway, um, if Mackay goes, I would say sign Melikan from the Swans and draft Curtin. At this point, if we get Harley Reid at one, Curtin at two, um, and if Mackay goes, that's what I would do. If Mackay stays, um, we probably don't need the young fella because I think it's more important to have experienced key position players. We can always draft a key position pl- like defender in the next couple of years if we've got 27-year-old Melikan who's still got five unreal years of football left in him, minimum, absolute minimum, and over that time make sure we get the right key defender. Then we could get a Nick Watson to be that small forward, um, you know, or a Ruckman or something like that. So anyway, that's what I would do. If McKay stays, um, we don't probably draft Curtin. If he goes, we draft him with number two. Jordan Knight says on Instagram, Taron Thomas had the most 50-50 game. He burned a lot of players but was outstanding. Yeah, I think... I, I think I'd give him credit for taking the game on. It's sort of like... LDU the last few weeks getting caught with holding the ball a lot. Like I know I was critical of that, but I think in those times you need more awareness. Taron not passing to other people. I mean, they're not better than him anyway, so he may as well take the game on. And as long as he's attacking like that, I'm kind of happy because that's how you get the best out of him. I think 50-50 is maybe a little harsh. Um, I think he was best on ground. Um, And if he's not passing to other people, it's probably Kane Turner, so... That's a good decision from me. Bryden underscore Isles. With one more game left to play, who would you like to see playing in what position? Sheasel Ford, exclamation mark. It's got to be that one. I mean, we may as well try all the Curtis Taylor thing as a tagger, put him on Matt Rowell or that other bloke, Nick uh, something. What's this other kid's name? I don't know. That other guy they drafted in the midfield. This is my awful player knowledge. Sorry, guys. Sorry um, to my to my, to my friend Darcy who's probably listening. Um, she's a Ford, absolutely. None of this Taron Thomas off halfback stuff. I've liked him in the middle. There's not much other stuff I'd really be switching around, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Throw Mackay forward, put him in the squares and send him off with a goal. Um, there's not really players we can switch around. I mean, Luke McDonald's going to be out next week, I would assume. Um, no one in that defense I want in any other position because they're not great. And our attackers need to be forwards. So I don't really think there's too many people to move around. But Sheasel in that forward line, my word. He would already be there if we had better halfbacks, though. Lupeg. Lupeg? Brilliant name on Instagram. What do we see in Tom Powell and his future? I rate him and think he needs a full season. I did mention this last week. If we could trade Tom Powell for a key position player... If Sydney want Tom Powell for Melican, get that done ASAP. Tom Powell's a good player, but I don't know if he's got a spot on this team. I don't think he's as talented as all the other guys. And now with the picks we've got, I think we're going to draft another midfielder. So, yeah. If we can use Tom Powell as trade bait, I would definitely be doing that. He can be good but there's too many other guys who I want to play ahead of Tom Powell <clears throat> in that midfield. So, yeah, that feels harsh, but that's true. 
Oh, we got have we got a second question from Reesing Wilson. Okay. Oh no, wait. I already read that one out. Don't worry, guys. I'm so stupid. Underscore Ben Hunter underscore pick one plus pick two plus a full year of uninterrupted Clarko. I'm keen. I agree, Ben Hunter. I do fully agree. Um, it is exciting. It's really, really weird. I put up a poll. We may as well talk about it now. I put up a poll uh, on the Instagram asking if you guys felt okay having the number one pick but being last on the ladder or you think it's important we don't finish last. And 85% of people said um, they would want the number one pick and they don't care about finishing last. And I actually fully agree with them. Um, at this point, I did think that wins matter. Halfway through the season, the mid-season review, I did say, let's get to four wins. Every win does matter. And I do believe that 100%. But at this point in the season, when we aren't going to finish higher on the ladder or if we finish one spot, doesn't do anything. Um, if we end the season with three wins, it, I don't think it matters. I think if you get to four or five from two the year before, that's more enticing for people to sign contracts and free agents to come. At this point with how bad we are, let's hit the bottom and get the number one pick. Um, when we did hit the bottom and West Coast won that game, it was a conflicting feeling. But I think getting Harley Reid is going to be the better option going forward. Um I don't, we probably talk about this in Harley Reid chat, which is coming up now. But um, the thing I've liked about this year, and once again, I'm going to go back to the barbershop, is I think, um, I think Sheezel, right? This is what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to get my brain together. I apologize. Stumbling my words. This is the first year, probably ever, that I've seen kids come in and know a North Melbourne player's name. So many kids at the start of the year were talking about Harry Sheezer. And when he wins the Rising Star, he's going to be the talking point of all the young players. Harley Reid is such a big name. We need people having eyes on our football club. We can't just stay in the doldrums, you know. We can't just stay as this little plucky club. We'll always be that at heart, and I love that about us. But Harley Reid is going to bring eyes and attention to North Melbourne. He's going to bring people to the games. And they're the sort of players that we need. So Harley Reid incoming. One more question from Facebook before we get in Harley Reid chat. Um, we've talked a bit about Harley Reid already, but, you know. Jonathan Moffat uh, does say, how much effort do we put in next week and also how good of a barber are you? I think I go all right. I don't know. I guess that's up to the clients to tell me, but people keep booking me and coming back. So, yeah, I can't be that bad. I can't be that bad. If you do want to come and get a haircut, I'll advertise this again because a couple of people have come down. If you do want a haircut, Black and Brown Barbershop in Mitcham, right next to Mitcham Station. Get on the website, book an appointment. You can request Josh, put in the comments, you listen to the podcast and come and talk about North for half an hour and get an awesome haircut. So please come down. We're a small local business and we could use all the help we can get. No, we're actually going all right. But please come down uh, and chat North. It's a good time. How much effort do we put in next week? Jonathan's other part of the question. Not much. Who cares at this point? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty done. I'm, I'm tired of this season. So, look, we shouldn't just lie down and we shouldn't tank. It's not the right thing to do. But I don't know. Let's just get this pick and uh, get on to next season. Two wins to three wins doesn't make a difference for me. So I wish I cared more, but I don't, guys. Is that bad? Anyway. All right. There's so many Harley Reid questions. There's so many Harley Reid questions. I'm going to read a bunch of them out of the time and we're going to do answers for all of them 
just so I don't have to read out 150 questions all about Harley Reid. But thank you guys for writing in. Um, I really, really do appreciate it. Just going to read a bunch here and we're just going to talk about Harley Reid. Giuliano Maritor. Oh, this is the name that I haven't read out for a bit and I used to say right and I'm probably saying wrong now. Uh, Big G, thank you, sir, for writing in. Harley Reid incoming, question mark. Are you happy about another spot or another spoon to get the kid? Will he want to be at North? Uh, Jason Rollard says, would fans rather a win and pick two in the draft or a loss in Harley Reid? And uh, my Polish friend, Michael Krauschik, says, now that West Coast have just won, we are wooden spooners three years in a row. Surely we take Harley Reid in the draft now. Should we look to trade the bottom midfielders on our pecking order out for key position players? Thank you guys for those questions. Um, let's answer these rapid fire. Uh, am I happy about another wooden spoon? Uh, no, not really. But hey, at, once again, at this point, I don't really think it matters. Um, you know, if we were second last on the ladder, people would just say, well, we'd be awful if West Coast wasn't atrocious as well. So, you know, I, I don't think it really matters. I and mean, I guess when you've got a guy like Harley Reid on the table, it's probably the go, but... Yeah, not happy about a third spoon, but hey, if we win, if we win a premiership in the next five years, then who cares? We'll bin the spoons off and chuck premiership cups in that cabinet instead. Um, will he want to be at North? Yeah, absolutely, he'll want to be at North. You got Alistair Clarkson; he's a footy head, I'm sure. He knows what LDU and Wardlaw and Sheasel and all those guys are going to do. Um, yeah, I think he'd be stoked to stay uh, to be at North, to be honest. And you know, as long as it's not another. Jason Old Francis situation, which, look, I think most human beings on the planet have a better attitude towards anything than he does. So, um, yeah, I think he would be happy to be at North. And trading any of the bottom midfielders for key position players, 100%, um, just like I said before, with Lewis Melican and a few of the other guys we've been linked to as well, um, a few guys from the Swans, wingers and whatnot, yeah, I would absolutely be trading them. Um, Charlie Lazaro is an interesting one. Like he continues to tear up the VFL and, um, if anyone's got their eye on him and want him, give us something for him. Give us some key position players, Tom Powell on your bike, mate, off you go, you know, Daniel Howe and that sort of stuff. You know, I think Tom Powell is a really, really good trade asset. So any of those sort of mids gone that we could bring in key position players for. We're not going to give up a Kane Turner and get a Lewis Melican or something like that, guys. So um, harsh on Tom Powell, but might just be the way it has to be. Tubby Tanker says, who do we take with pick one and potentially two for Mackay? Also, do we play hardball with West Coast uh, for picks to give them curtain at three? Uh, I think if, well, it depends on the Mackay situation again, I guess. I guess we only get pick two if Mackay goes. So if Mackay goes, pick one, Harley Reid, pick two, Curtin. That is who I would take. If Mackay stays, pick one, Harley Reid, pick two, Nick Watson. Uh, that would be my preferred. Nick Watson, that crumbing small forward, hopefully the small forward that we need. You know, Braden George is also coming in next year. We're going to be stacked at that position as well. That's another position maybe we look to trade in, but I don't want to get rid of Steve-O. I don't want to go to Paul Curtis. Cooper Harvey's still young and, you know, we don't want a Harvey going anywhere. So there's going to be a lot of competition for spots in certain positions, but incredibly bare in others. So anyway, that's what I would do. As for trading a pick with West Coast, um, 
No, not really. No, screw West Coast. I mean, I think getting Harley Reid and Nick Watson or Curtin in those circumstances, if Mackay goes or stays, is more beneficial to the club. Um, and they can do what they will with that pick. I don't really care what they do. Um, Tommy Harris 4 on Instagram. Harley Reid. Reid, she's LDU and Wardlaw North for Pete in a few years. Um, Riley underscore Masterson underscore 14. With Harley coming in next year, uh, what will our midfield look like? We have so many mids. All right. What would the midfield look like? Well, Harley Reid, LDU, Wardlaw is the first that come to mind for me. I guess the thing I would be hesitant with that is a guy like Taron Thomas is someone who's got pace, can dance out of a contest. So can Jai Simkin, to be fair. Do we need to mix and match with those sort of guys? I don't think it really matters when you've got as many players like that um, with that much talent on the list. Taron and Jai can play wing, half forward. Um, but, hey, if we go into next season with Wardlaw, LDU and Harley Reid in the middle, that's very exciting. Once again, though, if we have a ruckman that can't play football, it doesn't really matter. So we need to sort out that ruck position. As for a four-peat, yep, lock that in 100%. Um, that's kind of what I think the midfield would look like, but it does look very, very scary, especially when, you know, Simkin, Taron, Will Phillips are all like backup options as our from our starting three midfielders. And that's just a really good midfield rotation who can be versatile on wings and things. I don't think LDU and Phillips would be any good anywhere else but the center circle, to be fair. I don't think Will Phillips on a wing worked. We've seen the best of him this year when he's in the contest. And LDU, we know what he can do when he's healthy in the middle. So, But hey, if LDU and Wardlaw's injuries are anything to go by, we're going to need that many uh, midfielders anyway. All right, that's that's enough Harley Reid questions. I think the last thing I'll chat about with Harley Reid is, yeah, I think I touched on it before. I am very, very excited and it's really weird to go down to last on the ladder and get excited for it and it made me feel really, really bad because I've been a big advocate for, you know, setting high standards for North when I think a lot of fans sometimes don't and try and look at positives that are small, that they are there, but let's not set low standards and say, yay, guys, well done. you got to see on your test. You know what I mean? But the way people are looking at Harley Reid or talk about Harley Reid, this guy's like a franchise guy. And a good example of this is like Victor Wembanyama in the, uh, the NBA. At the barbershop, talking to kids from like six years old all the way up to adults who are whatever age. Everybody knows Victor Webanyama's name. And having that spotlight or a player like that, think about what Bailey Smith did at the Bulldogs a few years ago. Think about what Dustin Martin did, Chris Judd back in the day. People watched those guys not just for them playing on their team. They were just – they were the faces of the league. And if we can get a guy who can be a face of the league, that's franchise altering for the team. Lead small memberships, bigger fan support. People are talking about it. That's the sort of stuff that we do want. That all being said, let's move on. And we're going to go to five-star reviews uh, on Spotify and Apple. We've got a few to read out this week. We're going to go to Apple Podcasts first. Five stars. Great work from S. Ebeya. Thank you very much. Good work, Josh. Great work, Josh. Sorry. As a very passionate Ruboy, thanks for getting me through this year. Marnie should undoubtedly be a weekly review guest. 
You heard of here first, Marnie. Um, hurry up. Where are you right now? I'm having to do this alone and I'm sad. Still no coffees, though, because she forgot them last week. But thank you, S. Abaya, for sending that one through. Really appreciate all the five-star reviews on Apple, guys. It gets the podcast higher in the charts. I know everyone says it, but it's very, very simple. Just click the five-stars button. Let's go over to Spotify. We've got a few here. We've got a lot of hashtag free money merch as well. Thank you guys for getting on the free money merch train. Um, just wait till I get my uh, production line going in the off season. And who knows, maybe next season we will get money merch as long as she ticks the box. Otherwise she could sue me for a lot of money, but Marlon, Oh God, how do I say this? last name. Guihot, Guihot. Marlon says hashtag free money merch. Also Miranda DeBorn says that as well. Um, Kaziah7, free money merch, hashtag free money merch. Guys, this is a movement. This is a full, full movement. This is wild. Um, Marnie, if you're listening to this, it's happening. The people want it. Give the people what they want. Anyway, got a few more here. Um, Darcy King, back again. Good stuff, Josh and Marnie. Appreciate you trying to improve yourself, Josh. And I do understand how life gets in the way of following all AFL. P.S. We agree on Turner. Had enough chances by Kane. See, I feel like me and Darcy have really bonded in the last uh, week. You know, like two kids in primary school beefing over something. You get in the playground, you have a cheeky swing and you go, oh, getting punched in the face hurts. Let's be friends instead. Darcy... I agree. Kane Turner, I'm glad. We need to unite on this, my friend, because Marnie's winning this battle at the moment. She's persuasive and she's scary. So I don't want to be on the copying uh, another spray from Marnie next week about Kane Turner. As for not watching all the AFL, I'm trying. I genuinely, I think, especially, you know what it is as well? At the start of the year, I was watching so many more games, watching all the footy shows because I wanted to watch and see people talk about North, even though they never do. And uh, as soon as we started losing all the games, I just sort of dropped off. So I think if North are better, I'll like pay more attention to everything in the league because it's not just negativity around us all the time. So I'll be able to tell you every player in the league when we win a premiership. George Brown says, Marnie's saying what we're all thinking. We have been crap for five years. It's unacceptable. We've been the laughing stock of the AFL since as long as I can remember. Money got real last week. Ali D27, great chat. Maybe wrong. This is from the episode with Marnie last week. If you haven't picked that up, guys. Great chat. Maybe wrong with the need for a ruckman as defenders are the most important. Oh, I disagree with that. I disagree. Like, Goldstein looks pretty washed. I think he can come back and be good, but he won't be good for a whole season next year. His body's too old and Jerry's awful. I think Aiden Core is better than Jerry. And if we have Core and Callum Dawson to start the year next year. I think that's better than Jerry being a number one Ruckman, but maybe I'm just harsh. Um, Bull, Ford, Combin Miles in legs should help up Ford. Uh, B. George, apparently goal sneak, similar to Goey. I'm excited to see George out on the park. Combin Miles in legs, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we need to see some consistent form from Charlie, um, but he, chatting to him at the Hawthorne game a few weeks ago, seems like he really wants to get there, and I'm excited for him, so... Hopefully he can get a run at it finally, even though we said that at the start of the year. Uh, Jen says, love the episode as always. Agree if she's doesn't win the Rising Star. 
it'd be an absolute joke. Jerry is no good, and we definitely need to go and recruit another Ruckman in the offseason. Hashtag Marnie merch. Marnie, this is what the people want. Thank you, Jen, for the um, for the backing on the Ruck situation there. We need to start a movement. If we don't recruit or draft a Ruckman or something, let's storm Arden Street. And the last one here, Catherine says, hate it because they said Kane Turner would get another year and he needs to go ASAP. Can't stand him and hope he goes. Lots of angry face emojis. Kane Turner is a divisive player on this team right now. Seems like there's a lot of backers for him as well. So what a wild time to be a North Melbourne fan, guys. But once again, thank you so much for all your uh, five-star reviews and comments on Spotify and Apple. If you haven't done it and you're listening to all the free content I'm giving you, please, the least you could do, five stars and leave a comment and I'll read it out. I got a bit slack through the middle of the year, but we're back now. We are absolutely back. I guess just a quick VFL recap, um, and I'm still also learning the VFL structure for finals because it's very different. North Melbourne has lost, I think, I'm assuming they're third in a row, 88 to 76 against the Tigers. Uh, Miller Bergman was... Uh, one of the better players on the day, racking up a lot of touches. Callan Dawson seems to be playing pretty well as well. Really confused why he's not getting a run. Uh, I guess Rats did say he was close. Um, not sure what that means with the last game of the season being next week, but hey, we could see a sneaky Callan Dawson in there. Um, and Charlie Lazaro continues to tear up the VFL. So disappointing though, because the team felt like it hit a lot of form and now they've completely fallen off. But We're in the wild card round of the VFL finals, which from what I can understand is basically just like a little mini tournament, kind of like the playoff uh, promotion in the, in the EPL second division to get into the finals. So I'll do a bit more research and learn exactly what goes on there when it's closer to the time they're playing. Disappointing from the VFL team, but some decent performers in that though, which, Hey, that's all we can take. We're nearly done, guys. We're nearly done. Let's do a round review. Uh, Collingwood-Brisbane on Friday night. What a game that was. Brisbane, I told you guys. I'm back on the lines now. No, not fully. Um, But their best clearly is very, very good, knocking off the Pies. The Pies are shaky. I'd still say the Pies are the best team in the league. I think people are getting a bit too far ahead of themselves. Anyone who thinks Carlton could win the grand final, you need to relax. Um, But good on the Lions, you know. Good on the Lions. I like seeing the Lions do well. We don't talk about our game. Let's get rid of that. Yeah, Blues have won again. It feels like about 100 in a row from all the obnoxious Carlton fans. But good on them. They're playing finals, and I'm excited for them to be out in week one. GWS absolutely annihilated Essendon. How good is that to see? 162 to 36. That is wild. If only we could have beaten Essendon last week. But, hey, then we wouldn't have got Harley Reid. St. Kilda Geelong. I don't understand the Saints at all. I don't understand Geelong at all, to be fair. What a contrast from last season with Sydney and Geelong being the grand final. I know the Swans, which we'll talk about next, had some controversy. But, um, yeah, the Saints are so weird. But is that the game they turn up? Then we're going to have five bad ones in a row? Who knows? But I think the Cats' finals are done. Is that true? Let's have a look here. Oh, no, not not done. Oh, no, they are done. Yeah, they are because they can only finish on 46 points and GWS already have 48 in eight spots. So the only two teams that can make the eight are Bulldogs and Essendon. Wowee. 
Wow, we. We'll preview that in the preview podcast. That'll be an exciting week of footy. Um, Adelaide and Sydney, a lot of controversy with the goal that went through to put the Crows ahead, but then wasn't called a goal, and I don't really understand why. Gil McLaughlin came out this morning and said it's on him. Um, I guess because he gets paid so much money, he has to be the face of all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, what a wild – like how crazy is this goal review stuff? The Premier League does this all the time as well where – There'll just be one every now and again that they decide not to review and it's so obvious to everybody else and you're like, are we sure this sport isn't rigged? But massive implications because now the Crows can't make the finals. Crows are done, which is funny because I hate the Crows. But, yeah, how are they not reviewing that? Anyway, Sydney one-point win and keeps uh, keeps their finals hopes alive. I think Sydney are... Confirmed? Oh, no, not confirmed finals, just... Oh, no, wait, they will be. Yep, confirmed finals for Sydney. Uh, Bulldogs West Coast. Once again, feel weird about this, but thank you, West Coast, for the number one pick. The Bulldogs I was sort of backing as well. I think they've played all right, but once again, like the Saints, I guess sometimes they just show up and basically don't remember how to play AFL football, so... They just couldn't do anything. Like Tim Kelly was running around having a ball. He was doing everything. They couldn't stop him. So anyway, we got Melbourne and Hawthorne. Melbourne pretty standard win. Hawthorne came out of the blocks pretty quick in this game, but the D's sort of got the job done in the end. Um, the D's are probably arguably the informed side at the moment. I know Carlton, everyone's excited about them, but, you know, let's calm it down, guys. Then Port Adelaide won again. Screw Port Adelaide. Um, hopefully they finish fourth and we get a slightly higher pick. Hopefully they lose next week, which they probably won't, and the D's win. But, hey, whatever. Whatever. As long as I don't finish second, I'll be happy. Knocked out in the second round of the finals for Port. Okay. I think that's podcast done, guys. I think that's podcast done. I thought this one would be quicker. It never, ever, ever is because you guys write me so many great questions. Thank you for listening once again I'm tired. I've been talking a lot. I need to go and get some liquids. We'll be back on Friday morning for the preview podcast, the last game of the season. Finally. Finally. One more game and then we can all go home and uh, relax our brains until draft and free agency. So, oh, here comes a yawn. Hang on. Wowee. All right, I'm going to go watch the Women's World Cup final. Thank you for listening, guys. See you Friday. Peace out. That's lame. No, I'm old now. It's cool. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Further North Podcast. We'll be back next week with more great North chat. See you then, Bruce Vance.